scripture today is from Matthew 9, verses 9 to 13. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why did your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came to call I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. The word of the Lord. It is good to be back. Uh, Amy and I were gone last Sunday, the rare Sunday uh, that we are not here, and we just got back uh, from our trip out west to California, and so we went to Katie and Thomas's lovely wedding. Um, uh, right next to Joshua Tree, literally this property we were on, it's in, it's in Yucca Valley, California, which is the high, the high desert there. And uh, you drive up these hills, and you're to the top of the hill, and they got married under this archway, and there was a gate behind it. And if you walk through the gate, literally, you are in Joshua Tree National Park. And so it was really beautiful, very fun, and then we got to drive up to our old stomping grounds of Ojai, California, for a, a few days of a much-needed vacation. And when you get back from vacation, one of the things I always feel like I need to do um, is I I need to start eating better and working out because part of being on vacation is eating a lot. And we stayed with these old friends, and they are really good cooks. They are such good cooks. And so they know how to cook, and we know how to eat. And so it was this absolutely beautiful pairing. And so all this gets me excited this morning to talk about the spiritual and evangelistic importance of eating. An overlooked and underrated part of being a Christian is eating for Jesus. And so since Easter, we've been in this sermon series called BLESS. It's an acronym. Uh, You can see it uh, on the insert that's in your bulletin. Uh, Because we understand God's mission from the beginning has been to bless the world. In Genesis, at the beginning of Genesis, God says, be fruitful and multiply. That's blessing. When God speaks blessing, what he's doing is he's speaking life and abundant life into existence. So be fruitful and multiply, be blessed. And then sin enters the world and things are spiraling downhill in the first 11 chapters of Genesis. But then God chooses Abraham and Sarah and his family and he says, I'm going to bless you. In order that all the families, all the nations of the world will be blessed through you. And so followers of Jesus are heirs of God's plan to bless the world. We're blessed to be a blessing. We're given the keys to the kingdom of God, right? Not to lock people out, but to unlock the doors and show people the way in. And showing people the way into God's blessed, blessed kingdom life and in, inviting them to enter in is called evangelism, which is simply sharing the good news of Jesus and inviting people to become his followers. But as we're talking about this, doing this series, uh, and I think the reason we need to do a series on this is that for your average Christian, including me, you're like, "Uh, that's for someone else. 
I can't do that. It's too weird or it's too awkward. No, thank you. She's not here today, so I can call her out, but I'll leave that to, like, a Bridget Nelson. She seems to be, like, really good at that. So, like, that's your jam, Bridget. Like, I'm going to leave that to you, and the rest of us can sort of, we'll, we'll go off of your vapors that you're giving for the rest of us. But the whole purpose of this series is to show, no, 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 no. Evangelism is not just for some special class of, of Christians or for some odd zealots uh, who want to yell at people. It is eminently doable by schlubs like me. And we learn that when we see that how Jesus does mission, and we learn to do mission like Jesus, we can see that it's not some oh, to-do list that I, that I have to do, but it's, it's joy. It's simply living the Christian life in a compelling way, in a joyful way. And so when we think of evangelism like that, you know, it's not something that should fill us with dread. Like, okay, I'm teaching you all the cold call for Jesus. All right, so pick up the phone. No, no, no. It's, 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 it's something that when we think about doing mission like Jesus is living life in a, in a particular way. That it can start to fill us with joy and excitement. It, it's, it makes life more rich and more whole. And so here we are. It's an acronym. We're halfway through the letters of the acronym. So we started with the letter B, which was? Bible. That, oh my gosh, yes. Yeah. It's not the Bible, but that's a wonderful B to start with. Like, almost always. That is awesome. So, yes, that's the alternative. That's B2, uh, for sure, for sure, for sure. I love it. B is begin with prayer. B is blessed. The acronym's blessed. <laughs> B is begin with prayer. Yes. We want to bless people. We, we pray for God to bless you know, friends, relatives, acquaintances, neighbors, colleagues. We say, God, put your blessing on them. And we also pray, God, help us to be a blessing to other people. Make me an instrument of your blessing. And then last week, or two weeks ago, we, we had the L. Listen. Listen. You were listening. So that's wonderful. Listen with care. Because, you know, we think of sharing the good news. Okay, like I have to have some sort of script or speech. Or what are the words? How am I going to explain this? No, no, no. It doesn't start with what you say, but how you listen, how you listen to people. And are you willing to sort of go there with people into the, the, the tougher places of their lives and hear their story and, and know what's going on with them before we say anything? And now we're to the E, eat together. And as I was preparing this week, I said, you know, there, aren't, there just aren't enough sermons about eating, which is a shame because that's one of the things that Jesus was known for. And we think of Jesus' life, you say, okay, describe Jesus and what he did. You know, we'd, we'd get to the miracles that he performed. We think of his powerful teaching, especially his parables. We think of his death on the cross and his resurrection on the third day. But, but we miss how much of his life and his ministry and the controversies that he engaged in with the Pharisees were centered around eating. That who Jesus ate with and how he ate. And, and, and this was central to his ministry and his message. And so we have the old saying, right? You are what you eat. But in Jesus' world, it was as much, you are who you eat with. And so meals were this conscious, this way of forming and maintaining and solidifying relationships. And, and, and that's still true. That's definitely still the case. We just don't tend to think about it in those terms anymore. You know, food is a biological necessity for us to live. 
Throughout much of human history, you know, when you're talking about the big questions of life, you know, we live in a time where we kind of have the privilege to go, like, what, what am I here for? Where did I come from? Um, you know, questions of purpose and identity. But for most of human history, the most important and pressing question each and every day was, what's, what's to eat? What is there to eat? And sort of that Maslow's, you know, hierarchy of needs, that, that food and security are, 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 are foundational. And so meals were so significant because they couldn't be taken for granted. And so they had this profoundly social and relational dimensions to them. And, you know, they still do that. We go to a wedding, and the expectation is at some point someone is going to feed us some food, right? Like, I didn't just come for the ceremony, but someone is going to be feeding me some food at some point, even if it is only heavy apps, um, as was the case at one wedding that I attended one time. But they were very heavy apps, so... Uh, I was filled, especially if you stood near the kitchen. Um, you got your fill of the heavy apps. And so at ceremonial occasions, food still matters. It's part of the ritual celebration of new things coming into existence. It's like you go to a wedding, you get food. You go to a baptism, you get sheet cake. Food is part of sealing the deal. And who you also, who you eat with, who you allow yourself to eat with, or who comes into your home to eat means a lot. It's still a huge step. Inviting someone into your house for a meal is still a huge step in building a relationship with them. It's still, it sends a profound signal about welcoming someone into your life. And that's what the story of Jesus calling Matthew to be his disciple is about. It's about Jesus calling him to share in his very own life and his celebration of God doing something new with him so matthew is sitting at his toll collection booth and jesus calls him and of course you know it's a well-established fact that tax collectors were the scum of the earth in jesus's day no one likes giving money no one likes paying taxes especially you know the person taking their hard-earned cash and so you know it's going to support the roman government they're seen as an occupying force and so paying taxes was seen as like one great big giant protection racket And not only does Jesus call Matthew, but then we're told that Jesus reclines at table in the house with him. Which means one of two things. Either that Jesus went over to Matthew's house to eat, or, and this is a delicious idea, that Jesus actually had Matthew over to his house to eat. And the text is ambiguous on this point. It's open to either possibility. And so reclining at the table, I mean, this is how they ate. They, at laying, they ate laying on the ground. Especially if you're hosting the meal, you would eat reclining, laying on the ground so you could have conversation. And this was the way that you ate with friends. And it was only slaves or servants who would eat at a table. They would sit at a table to eat. That was the, 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 lower, the lower status way to eat. And it's not only that Jesus is dining with one tax collector, but it says that many more tax collectors and sinners were eating with Jesus and his disciples. And we hear this word sinners, you know, we sort of maybe think of the church lady from SNL, you know, sinners are bad people. But in scripture, it's, it's a technical term that was used for Jewish people who weren't scrupulous in, scrupulous in observing the law. They weren't religious people. They wouldn't have been known for doing things like keeping kosher, for example. 
And so that's why it's so scandalous to the Pharisees that Jesus was eating with tax collectors and sinners because Jesus was a rabbi. He was known as a teacher of the law, an authoritative interpreter of God's law. And so as such, it would have been his job to teach people like these tax collectors and these sinners to observe the law. And only when they had become religious, law-observant people should Jesus even consider eating with them as a sign that they were now in the family. That they belonged, as it were. But Jesus' response to their grumbling is that it isn't the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. That God had sent him not to call the righteous, or rather the the self-righteous, but sinners. What kind of doctor would only see patients who had nothing wrong with them? A really bad, a really bad doctor, an awful doctor, a doctor who wasn't worthy of the name. The whole reason you become a doctor is you want to heal the sick. You want to help people who aren't well become well. And in the same way, Jesus is saying, what kind of God would have nothing to do with sinners? That's God's whole mission is to bless the world, to come to people who are sinners and get them right. To go to people who are far away and bring them near. To come to people who are outside of the kingdom and bring them in. To come to a people who are living in death and give them life. That's what the Old Testament quotation, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, means. It means that that we cannot confuse the means with the ends. That we aren't to confuse the outward forms and the inner purpose. That the the letter of the law cannot be confused with the spirit of the law. Jesus never says that we can just get away without, you know, get rid of outward forms. But what he does say is we can never forget what those were given for. To bless. To bless the world. And when we lose sight of that, we've lost it. We've lost God. We've lost our mission to seek And save the lost. Because we too are lost without Jesus. And so one of the main ways to extend the healing presence of Christ. Is by eating with people as a way of extending relationship. Of sharing and doing life together with them. It wasn't an accident that the first thing that Jesus did after he called Matthew. Was eat with him. He didn't go ahead and teach him a bunch of stuff right away. He he didn't have a Bible study with him. He didn't go to the synagogue with him. He didn't take him to the temple. He ate with him. Because restoration starts with relationships. That's our stock and trade as, as followers of Jesus. That we believe restoration starts by building relationships. And relationships start with eating. It's just the way it works, right? You walk into the school cafeteria and... One of the most important questions you asked when you were a kid, maybe it fills you with anxiety thinking of it right now, but who am I going to eat with? Because who I eat with, those are my people. Those are the people I have a relationship with. That's who I belong to. That's who I fit in with. And so relationships start with eating. And Jesus was a missional eater. And so for us to live out Jesus' mission, we've got to take the risk of eating with people. That's what the E in bless is all about and there's a a great quote from a couple of guys who wrote this book called right here right now and they said sharing meals together on a regular basis is one of the most sacred practices we can engage in as believers 
Missional hospitality is a tremendous opportunity to extend the kingdom of God. We can literally eat our way into the kingdom of God. Amen. In, if every Christian household regularly invited a stranger or a poor person into their home for a meal once a week, I might even say just don't go once a week, once a month, we would literally change the world by eating. The church exists to change the world by eating. You have got to love that. And maybe that should just become our church's mission statement. We are here to change the world through eating, to transform South Minneapolis through eating. And in the membership class, if we said, what does it mean to be a member? You eat. That would be quite the draw. But I think they're right when they say this, that you can change the world through eating. Because what would happen if everyone here just started regularly engaging in the practice of inviting your neighbors, your coworkers, even your friends or acquaintances over for a meal. And barbecue season is upon us, so this should be getting easier. And, and next Sunday, we'll have open streets, you know, right there on Lindale, and we'll be having a, a cookout, eating out there. We're trying to model this. Because if we're going to bless the world, we have got to eat with the world. And eating with people is absolutely essential to blessing the world. God designed us in such a way that eating is not just a biological necessity. As I said before, it's a social, relational thing. And eating is such a great, easy, everyone has to do it way of blessing the world. Now, when you hear all this, it all sounds sort of easy and well and good, but there are always the buts. It's not that simple. And so we all have our buts with eating with folks on a regular basis, like but I don't have time, right? We're, we're, we're busy people. And so many of us, if we have families, can barely find any time to eat together on a regular basis. Or if we live alone, you know, we don't have time to cook. We just throw a Stouffer's mac and cheese in the microwave, you know, at the end of the night. And so I get it. Finding time to eat with people seems like a practical impossibility. But what if maybe, just maybe, this idea that we're supposed to be folks who, who, who eat with other people. And we answer this call of Jesus to missional eating. What if this finally got us to the place where we realize that we've got to start managing our time and doing life differently so we can do this practice? That it's not about, you know, sort of squeezing one more thing into our busy schedules. Okay, I've got to eat with people now. But it changes in a profound way the kind of things that we do and we make time for. That we start doing life Differently, that we've got to shift our lives to engage in these regular rhythms and practices that allow us to be blessed and bless the world. Things like slowing down and opening up our lives enough to eat. There's another big but, you know, and, and it's I wouldn't know what to say or I don't want to make anyone uncomfortable, especially myself. I get that. And I realize, you know, that however your temperament is or personality, that the idea of having, like, these social occasions and interactions can be not comfortable, especially if maybe you're introverted. And if you don't know, one or don't know one that, someone that well, this can be daunting. What am I going to say? What are we going to talk about? I hate small talk. But I believe that personality and temperament, those are not the things that get to call the shots here. That God has called us all to bless the world, and so we have the ability to do that. And even if we don't like talking, we can listen. Just ask questions. Because lots of people are used to not being listened to 
on a regular basis. I mean, E is for eat, so it's not too much more complicated than that, and you can always just put food in your mouth, and that's a great way to carry the evening forward. You don't have to talk. Just eat and listen. Now, there's all sorts of other buts about missional eating, you know, but I don't like to have people in my home, but I can't cook, but I I don't have time to clean up, and so the place isn't ready for guests, or I don't want to fix something fancy enough for guests, and so just let me rebut those buts very quickly. But I don't like to have people in my home. That's why God created restaurants. Uh, but I can't cook. Then order pizza. Everyone loves pizza. But I don't want to, you know, c- uh, clean up after a nice meal. Uh, paper plates are a miraculous thing. And if you're like, I don't want to clean my house, uh, three, three words, close the door. Just put everything in one room and close the door. And people cannot see it. And it's actually, when you have people over, it's a good excuse to clean your house. We, Amy and I have life group at our house every other week. And so every other week, we know that our house will get cleaned, that the toilet will get cleaned at least every other week. And so we get to have that blessing happen at least twice a month in our house. And so there's tons of reasons that can make this difficult and uncomfortable, but it is totally worth pushing through our excuses, getting out of our comfort zones, so we can discover our mission for our lives by allowing God to bless others through the simple act of eating. Wow, it's, it, it's not very complicated, but it's so powerful. Because we can't forget the stakes. The stakes here are high. It's blessing the world. Accomplishing God's ultimate mission for our world. And so for some of you, as you take on the challenge in this missional practice of eating, you'll discover that hospitality is a spiritual gift that you didn't even know that you had. And you'll grow so much by using this. We stayed with a couple of old friends in Ojai, uh, Drew and Victoria, and they are this shining example of people who just exude hospitality to the nth degree. That this is their spiritual gift that God has given them, opening their home to become a place of celebration. And I've never met people more generous with, with their food, with their pool, with their hot tub, you know, than these people. And, it, and, and, and it, this amazing community has formed around them in the Ojai Valley. And, you know, there are members of the church that I worked at, but church people and non-church people, they're all coming together in this place. And it's beautiful. And so when we open our lives and our homes and we eat with people we'll find that we're, we're helping other people eat their way into the kingdom of God. And so if this is doable but uncomfortable, you know, the real question is, if you knew that the only thing standing between someone else and knowing the love and grace of God were, were eating with them just once, would you do it? If the only thing standing between your neighbor and, and a saving relationship with Christ was having them over for dinner, if that were true, would you do it? Would it be worth it? And it's not about having a Messiah complex, but it's about having the Messiah's mission. And he's given you and he's given me this mission to bless the world. And so will we rise to the call on our lives? Through prayer, through listening, through eating. If even a handful of us as a community started doing these missional practices on a regular basis where we live and work and this church community would become different. People would find their way back to God. Broken and lost parts of the life that God intended human beings to have would be restored. And so may you and I take God's word today and let, us take, let it take root in our hearts 
and our souls and our stomachs. And let us eat our way into the kingdom of God. Bon appetit. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please pray with me.